This episode is powered by Anivia Pickleball. Based in the heart of Vancouver, BC, whether you're new to the game or a seasoned vet, they have the paddle for you. I myself am currently using their Voltex Gen 3 Pro, which comes in both mid and lightweight. A big thank you for the team at Nanivia for taking a chance on me in this podcast. And for listeners of the podcast, if you enter agorman15 at checkout, you get 15% off. Check out Anivia.com now. That's A-G-O-R-M-A-N 15 at checkout. On with the show. All right, we're back from the weekend in Calgary at the Calgary Pickleball Center's Grand Opening Tournament. So how did me and Irene do? How did we do in our doubles matches? Episode 17, Pickleball Diaries. Let's get right into it. Hey everybody, we're here at the Calgary Pickleball Center. Me and Ryan right now are 2-2 two two in our men's. Irene and Mai are 1-0. Uh, They're waiting for their opponent right now. Me and Ryan are just about to go for our next match here. So we pretty much have to go undefeated to have a shot at getting the crossovers, but it's still going to be tough. So we'll update you later. It's a beautiful facility here though. All right, everybody. Me and Ryan are done for the day. We finished three and three, which is going to be good enough for either third or fourth in our pool, but not enough to get to crossovers. Irene and Maya are playing behind me right now. Um, they're undefeated right now. By the looks of their pool, they're probably going to finish first, and then they'll make it to uh, crossovers, and then hopefully to the finals. So we'll catch you up after that one. Once again, here. Okay, so for those of you who are watching the video here, I'm going to just kind of give a quick go around to see the facility here. Twelve courts, permanent nets. Very, very nice. Guys did a really good job here. Shout out to the Calgary guys. Alright everybody, it's day two. We're doing mixed doubles. So far in pool play, me and Irene are 4-0. We got one match left, so if we win that, we'll probably guarantee ourselves first in the pool. And then we'll head to crossovers and hopefully go for a medal here. So stay tuned and we'll update you on that after. All right, day one recap. So me and Ryan finished in our pool three and three, which put us in third place, but only the top two teams in each pool made it to the crossover. So didn't make it to the crossover to get onto the podium. Um, Ryan did a pretty good job. It was his first time playing 4.0. Um, I'm a little angry with myself um, for this, but uh, midway through our game, so we were about 2-2 two and two at this point, I really started to notice when he was, um, especially when Ryan was playing on the left-hand side of the court, if they were hitting it to his back and he was kind of torquing his arm to keep himself on his forehand. Um, so if, And when we were warming up, he wasn't doing that. So what I first thought was maybe he hurt his wrist and snapping it with his backhand was uh, was hurting him. So I noticed it when we were 2-2, two and two, but I didn't say anything until after our uh, fifth game where we lost. So then we were 2-3, and three, and pretty much then at that point we were eliminated from contention for making it to the crossover. But I asked him, I'm going to say, hey, is your wrist okay? And he was like, no, I'm just not feeling confident with my backhand. And I was like, 
oh, okay, well, let's just stack, then I'll play the left, you play the right, so that way your forehand is taking most of the shots. We did that for our last game, and we won pretty handily. So I'm mad at myself for being the senior player in our in our in on our team. I should have spoken out sooner, and then I could have fixed that and had us stack earlier. We probably could have even made it to the crossovers, because there was one game we lost where we probably should have won that game. Because um, Ryan just played so much more confident after we did that switch because he didn't have to worry about it. So overall, we played pretty good. Like, we didn't get blown out by any team, but there was one or two games there where we probably could have won that in our pool and made it at least to the crossovers and uh, possibly got to a podium finish for that. So I'm more upset with myself for not noticing that sooner. I kind of pride myself in noticing the other team's flaws when I'm playing and coming up with a strategy ahead of time. Like, so if someone's not handling their backhands or certain dinks well or drives well, I'll focus on that in the game. So the fact that I didn't notice that with my own teammate right away and didn't, um, with being, and with being the uh, more senior player on the team, not stepping up and, and addressing it right away. Um, I'm mad at myself for that. So that's a lesson learned for me for that one. Um, but other than that, Ryan played very, very well. We played uh, pretty well for us, um, aside from playing one game of pickup together uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, played really well as a team. We communicated really well. We didn't have a lot of shots that went between us or anything like that. So, and for uh, for his first foray into 4.0, uh, Ryan did really, really well. So shout out to Ryan for that one. Uh, moving on to Irene and Mai. Um, I, I, when I looked at their pool, there was only six teams, so they basically did a round robin for seeding, and then they did first versus fourth, second, third, and then that moves on to the finals for there. So they went through every one. I think the only team, there was one team, and I think it was the team that ended up finishing third, gave them a little bit of pushback, but every game they won, I think that team they beat 15 to 10 in a single set round robin, and everybody else was less than 10 points. Uh, against them so they were steamrolling pretty well through the uh, round robin and then they got to the crossover same thing they played the fourth uh, the team ranked fourth handled them very well in two straight sets when they got to the finals however versus a team they've played before um, and the team they beat 15 to 7 in the uh, the round robin I don't know what it was but uh, they didn't weren't playing their game they weren't communicating you could tell Mai was getting in her head, her own head a little bit and uh, just not feeling confident with her shots. They um, they lost the first set 12-10, so down one set to nothing, and that's with not playing very well. Um, and then the second set, they come out roaring and beat the team 11-1, um, which was more indicative of how they were playing in the round-robin game. But then you go back, then you go to the third set again, and they go right back to not playing with confidence, not communicating properly, and almost blow the game. Um, they end up pulling out the 12-10 win to win the whole thing and um, and keep their streak rolling. Like the, since they've started playing together, they've finished first in everything they've played in, with the exception of Provincials, where they got the silver medal at 4.0. So they're rolling. Um, I think after this tournament, Irene's female doubles ranking in pickleball brackets is probably going to be 4.5. So she's going to be able to move up to uh, that category. So um, she's going to be able to start taking on some of those really high ranked women like uh, Caitlin Soroka consistently. Uh, eventually, she'll be able to like go in matches against Kim Layton and stuff like that in women's. And then she, uh, as long as she's got my, she can pull her up too or team up with someone who's in that high ranking. So props to Irene. And my for winning that. Um, there was one part in the game where they called a timeout. They came over to me and I told them, I said, okay, this is what I'm noticing. This is what you can do to get some points because they were down, I think, at that point, 8-5. And um, 
so the, the, they leave the timeout. They do exactly what I suggested. They go up 10 to 8, and then for some reason they stop doing it, and that's where the other team caught back up, and it was 10-10 again. So um, I already have gray hairs um, at my age. It's just a family thing. But, um, but yeah, I grew a few more watching that match for sure. But uh, they did pull out the win, so uh, they keep rolling. So that was really good. Moving on to day two. So that was our mixed doubles. So me and Irene, uh, that there was um, fifteen team, no, thirteen teams. Sorry, in this division. So they did one pool of six, one pool of seven. We were in the pool of six, so our games were one sets to fifteen for our round round. The other pool, because it had seven, was one games to eleven. So me and Irene um, steamrolled through our uh, our pool play. I think not not a single team got above nine points against us. We won a couple matches, like fifteen to three. 15 to 4, 15 to 6 and stuff like that. I think the closest team got a got 9 points on us. Um this was probably the most I want to say, I don't want to say in sync cuz we're always pretty much in sync, but the most um consistent play we played to, uh we played as a team. And I've noticed we've just been getting better and better and better as as the uh, this year has gone on um moving up from the 3-5 to the 4-0s and stuff like that. So, uh went 5 and 0, had like a positive point rating of like plus 45 or something like that um and uh so got first in our pool so we were waiting for the other pool to finish and um and then now uh, when we saw the other teams come around I was like okay that's a that's a pretty decently skilled team so we played the crossover um and then the same thing it was just like we were we played so well good strategy making our shots and it was like 11 3 11 5 is what we won so we get to the finals and um, the finals, first uh, first set, we play, same thing, play really, really well. We uh, win 11-5, like not, not even really breaking a sweat. Like the other team, we had some really good rallies. Like the score is not indicative 100% of how that game went, but at no point did I feel like, feel threatened that we were going to lose that set. So um, we move on to the second set, and I don't know what happened the first couple of points there but we were just missing our shots like we had putaways that we just either put into the net or we put deep and we basically spotted them six points we were down six nothing um and then we called a timeout got our heads together and then ended up um outscoring outscoring the other team um i guess it would be 12 to 4 because we ended up winning 12 to 10 um and i just um with doing the reverse stack like we've been doing um, the last couple of tournaments, so for those of you who maybe didn't hear previous the previous episodes, but we do a reverse stack when we play. So what that the regular stack what most people do is, um, if especially if both players are right-handed, uh, they put the guy on the left with his forehand in the middle and the girl on the right. Um, so to have supposed to be who's the more quotations dominant player, stronger player with their paddle in the middle, well. Me and Irene do a reverse stack where Irene's on the left and I'm on the right. We're both right-handed, but I have a very, very good backhand flick and a backhand um, hit, and then I'm also semi-ambidextrous so I can hit the ball with my left hand if need be um, for a slam. And then Irene is just very has a very, very strong drive, a very, very strong forehand, and she's not afraid to get into a firefight with anybody. So ever since we've been doing that, uh, we've been playing extremely, extremely well together, and we don't really do a... Like where you see some teams when they stack, the person who's in the stronger part takes like 70 to 30%, 70% of the court to the other person's 30 or even like an 80-20. Me and Irene pretty much do almost a 50-50 split. Um, we just trust each other enough 
to uh, get uh, to get the shots. Um, every now and then we'll have a little bit of confusion for who gets that middle shot because Irene does have a very good forehand, but I also have a very good backhand shot. Um, but we've gotten better with our strategies of who to hit to, what shots to hit to set up each other or to set up ourselves with a, a shot. Like um, if you watch our match in the finals, that's up on YouTube now, you'll see a bunch of ones where Irene will dink it straight forward and then the the, um, the female player on the other team will hit it across, but it's high enough that I can get a backhand flick and I end up picking off the male partner in the shoulder or putting it past out of his reach because, of course, he's creeping over because they're doing a regular stack. So the way we uh, the way we played that one, uh, we kind of left no doubt, um, at least in our minds, that we were the best team there for sure. And hopefully that, because we've been sitting at 3.98, like um, technically on brackets for a, quite a few months now, and it's been kind of driving us bonkers. Um, that was the reason why we played 3.5 at Provincials, because Provincials had the strict policy of one of you had to be that ranking to play up. So we weren't allowed to play in the 4.0. We'd even emailed and asked, like, look, we're sitting at 3.98, can we move up? And they and they were like no you can't so like we were like okay we'll play three five we won the gold in three five, and uh, then we went to nationals played that four zero four five division played the four zero division the second day, and because of the rankings of the players on the other teams because there was other players who were also three five rankings, we moved up to like we at we were at four zero at one point. And then if you look at like our last match dropped us back down to like three nine nine or something silly like that so. Um, this tournament, because no one, because only one team at one point got 10 points on us, I'm pretty sure this will boost us over the, our, the 4.0. I don't see how we could, could be anything less than that at this point. So hopefully we're at that. So that way, if we do manage to, if we manage to get into another tournament this year, or by the time we start tournaments next year, we'll be going into 4.0s, maybe even making a push for four or five, especially with Irene being four or five in women's now. So, or pretty much four or five in women's now. Um, so yeah, so that's the, the games. Now the center as a whole, um, very, very beautiful facility, um, 12 courts, permit netting, um, outdoor type flooring. So you're using outdoor balls. Uh, you had some nice swag when you signed up. You got a ball, you got a t-shirt, you got some um, overgrip tape. Um, um, it was really, really nice. Uh, biggest Their biggest drawback is the parking. There's not a lot of room for parking. Um, um, they were. I was talking to Mike, the owner, and he was talking about, they were talking to, um, I think it's one of, one of the companies that's across the street from, they have a lot of staff parking, which doesn't get used on the weekends. So they were gonna talk with them and see if they can use that parking during tournaments when they when they're not operating anyways and they're hoping for that so biggest drawback was the parking it's in a really nice spot though um because it's right across the street from like rec room from like an iFly from like a big shopping center area so you have stuff to do that you can just walk to when you're there um and like i said the facility itself was very very nice um a little narrow um, on the back side, back ends of the courts, like um, on the sides, like they, they have opened area. They have, they've op they removed the fencing between um, when you're up from the kitchen line, from kitchen line to kitchen line. So you have room for ATPs and stuff like that. Now that did cause some balls from other courts to roll in and you had to halt with balls coming in. Um, but I'm willing to accept that with, uh, with the ability to stretch out and be able to pull off like a full ATP um during a match so now like i said like the fences come back in right around where the kitchen line starts so 
right around there is a little narrow. Like I know I got caught once by someone with a really good spin serve um, crashing into the fence because I couldn't get to the ball in time. I caught someone else with a spin serve of my own, um, putting it right into the fence. So it's really hard for them to get to. So a little bit narrow there, um, lots of space on the back end of the court though. So you have space to back up. So that's really good. So um, I'll take the little bit of narrow in that those spots where not very often you're going to be going super wide anyways um, in comparison to being able to do an ATP and stuff way that the way they have it set up. So a uh, very, very nice facility. I do have a meeting for my work um, next month. So I'll be going down there um, and probably playing some pickup when I go down there. So if you're in, uh, if you're in Calgary around like November 21st, I'll be doing the, uh, the duper ladder, the duper drop in or whatever they have. Um, they have that day on the 21st so if you want to drop in and say hi if you're from calgary uh come in then um but yeah big shout out to mike and them uh really nice facility super stoked for them and uh, i know they got another one opening up in the in edmonton i want to say they said in march um around the similar things so really looking forward to that too and that's a little bit closer for me so i don't have to drive nine hours for to uh to go play so uh, all in all, very fun tournament. Uh, Could have used some more refs. There was just refs pretty much just for finals and maybe and for semifinals for most events. Um, didn't really have an issue with line calls this time because I know last time I played in a tournament where we didn't really have refs every match. We did have an issue, but um, the I know the bronze medal match for our division, they had to call a ref over because there was some arguing going on between the two teams there. So could use a little bit more refs for that, but uh, for a grand opening tournament, not too bad. Um, there was no medals. Uh, I may bug, bug Mike and them about that. Again, I do like, me and Irene do like our bling. So um, all the tournaments hosted by them so far, there's been no medals now. Like we said, we got swag and stuff at the beginning, but you know, like a lot, you hear a lot of people say like, I didn't drive, drive, you know, this far and pay this much just for a $2 medal. I'm here for the, to compete. I'm like, yes. I agree. However, when I win, I do like that little kind of monument for it, whether it's a two dollar. Like it's no different than like say going on a very fun vacation and then you're buying a two dollar souvenir that you like a mag fridge magnet that you stick in your fridge just as a reminder, right? So, as much as I agree with the thing, oh, I don't really care about the medal. I'm like, yeah, but when you're when you win, you do want something. You know what I mean? Something to kind of show that moment. It's like, like, yeah, picture and stuff that you can post on Instagram and stuff like that is fine. But that little thing is we got a little spot up in our house where we have our medals and stuff hanging up. I have my little thing here behind me where I got the shirts from like, you know, nationals here, here, provincials there, Western regionals for this towel and stuff like that. So um, I have my little shrine and stuff that I do for that. So, you know, it's always fun for uh, to have stuff like that. So Anyone putting on a tournament, I like it's you can get cheap medals for two bucks. I honestly don't care like how the medal doesn't have to be fancy, but you know, something to give the players at the end of it is what is at least my personal opinion. So, but other than that, like I said, uh, great job. And uh, with uh, the running of pickball brackets for Mike and them, um, holy crap, did that flow smoothly! Like, I don't think we waited very long at all. They, um, they moved the uh, stuff around really, really well. I think the longest I had to wait was maybe an hour, and that was just because our pool finished, and the other pool because they had one extra team had two extra game had two extra games they had to finish before we got to play crossovers. But other than that, it was like you finish, and it was like maximum a thirty minute wait before your next game. So that was good because you stayed you stayed fresh the entire time. So really enjoyed that.
All right, so time for some big pickleball news for Canada. So we now have, I'm going to stick the logo right here. We have the Canadian Pickleball Association Pro Tour coming next year in 2024. So what that is, is that's basically Canada's equivalent to the PPA in the States. So that's pro players playing in bracket style formats, double elimination against other pro players. So you got your men's doubles, women's doubles, your mixed, your singles, all that good stuff that you see in the PPA. And also just like the PPA, they have amateur tournaments going on at the same event. So if you're a 3.0 all the way up to like 4.5, those are available those are available as well so you can go play in a tournament and then you can go over and watch the pros play in a match so i think this is awesome this is great for canada's development in pickleball not only will our pros our current pros get to play against other pro athletes on more of a regular basis kind of like how they did in the cnpl um our amateur players and stuff who haven't seen a pro pros play get have that option now to go watch that as well when they go to a tournament so this is only good news for Canada. There's obviously cash prizes for the pros. There's going to be sponsorship opportunities for these pros to make it easier for them to play pickleball. Like as someone who lives five hours north of Edmonton, it's so Edmonton's the closest place where tournaments are normally held for me. So a bare minimum five hour drive, hotel room. So you got your gas, you got all that stuff, time off work. It does start to add up. So for pro players who have the same issues, now, if that money is taken care of through like sponsorships or through endorsement deals and stuff like that, now they can focus on their pickleball. They can focus on getting better. They can focus on competing at that high level. Because when you compare, say, CNPL, now the CPA, to the PPA and to the MLP in the States, where Canada is lacking right now, it's the difference between the pro levels. Like our amateur level, we're pretty much on par with the States. Um, I know enough people who've gone down to the States and played in tournaments on the amateur level and have done really, really well. Um, that tells me that our amateur thing is pretty much on par. Where our big gap is, it's in the pro. Like if you watch the highest level PPA, like Ben Johns, Annalie Waters, compared to our highest level athletes, it's not quite the same yet. Um, we're about five, we're about four or five years behind, and that's because there's so much opportunity for the pros to play and make money from it, right? There's the MLP, there's the PPA, there's mini pro leagues like in Arizona and stuff like that where they get paid to go play for teams and it's broadcasted on YouTube um, and stuff like that and they get sponsorship opportunities for that. So this is another tournament where there's going to be sponsorship opportunities, there's going to be signing stuff, there's winning bonuses and things like that. So that's just going to improve the play and for me it's more tournaments to go to. Like um, right now, like most of the time, me and Irene are deciding, okay, we got provincials for sure. Uh, and then Western regionals and okay, our, where are nationals this year? Because nationals flip flop from one side of the country. So this year it was in Regina. So, okay, we're going to do Regina. Next year it's in Halifax. And as much as I would love to go to Halifax, Nova Scotia and play pickleball, that might be a little bit out of my budget, right? So I'm like, okay, well, I got my provincials. I got my Western regionals. Um, there's going to be an open somewhere that I can go to and play. So that's three tournaments. Now there's going to be a CPA event somewhere near me, right? So now I have at least a fourth or a fifth tournament that I can go to. That's going to be a huge event. I like going to the big event ones because you have fully car you have officials for like every event. You get to meet so many cool people. And it's the big events where the pros come out and play. Then you get to watch those pro-level matches. Like as someone who actually got to watch the CNPL live and even do a broad, uh, broadcast one of the matches, 
it's so much better seeing it in person. Like I've watched tons of PPA and MLP on, on YouTube or on TV or whatever. And I've watched the CNPL on YouTube and I've watched it in person. In person is so much better. It's so much more entertaining and it's so much more intense to watch. So the fact that we're going to be able to put our pro athletes in the limelight, get them more funding with sponsorship deals and stuff like that so they can keep improving, keep getting better. And then obviously, and also give us something to us amateur athletes, something to push for. It's like, okay, now it's like, okay, now like, I don't have to think, oh, I'm going to have to move to the States if I ever want to have a possibility of playing pro. Now it's like, okay, well, I have the option of CNPL I can go try out for. I can go see if I can get myself high enough rank to get into the CPA pro tour events now. So like there's two more options in Canada that once, if I can get myself good enough, I can go, go and strive towards instead of, okay, well, Am I going to take six months off of work and go down to the States and play in a bunch of PPA events to see if I can even get up there? Or can I use the stuff that's Canada local way cheaper on the budget and I can work around my work schedule, right? Because not everyone can go down and just play. Most of us, most of us have jobs where, yeah, we can book ourselves off for a weekend to go play an event, but we can't go down to the States and do like a tour from like this tournament to this tournament, this tournament to this tournament. Like it's just not, it's just not realistic for, for, uh, for, for us. Right. So I'm super excited about this. Um, um, and if anyone from the CPA is watching, I'm, if I'm going to the tournament, I'm totally willing to come to a broadcast. You can check out me on the C on the CMPL, uh, to see how I did. If you like how I did, I will totally come and do that after I'm done playing my matches, of course, cause I'll be playing for sure. Um, and, uh, no, I'm just, yeah, just super excited for that. It's just more opportunity for more uh, people because like CMPL was um, eight teams, right? So eight teams, that's only 16 men, 16 women. Now you have the uh, the CPA now. So that's another like possible 20 to 24 spots for pro level at least um, opened up. So, and who knows, eventually might get to the point where they have play-ins kind of like how the PPA does. They have the first so many, I think it's 24 spots selected. And then you, then they have a play-in tournament to get into those other spots for the, for like the 32 team bracket stuff like the PPA does. Like who knows, we might, we might get to the point where there's that. They also announced on their website that not, th not next year, but in 2025, there's going to be a senior pro uh, tour as well. So that's even, that's even more um, better. Cause now, cause the same thing, we have a bunch of senior, really good senior players who go down to the States and play during the winter time and stuff. And they might, and they play even senior pro, but now, but then when they come back to Canada, there's nothing really for them to play. Cause then like, aside from, like I said, nationals, maybe provincials. And a lot of times you see that 55 plus category and there's like four or five teams, right? So now if there's a senior pro tour, you're going to have all those high level players playing against each other. And same thing just improves the caliber because you're playing better players all the time. That's going to improve how you play. That's why me and Irene keep moving up when we go to tournaments. We like, like we started at 3.0 last year, got all the way up to 3.5 by the end of the year. This year we started at 3.5, got up to 4.0, even played some 4.5 teams. And as we play hard, hard, harder and harder teams, we get better and better and better as we play, right? So this is only a good thing for Canada. I'm super excited to see where it goes. I'll keep an eye on, on their stuff. Um, check them out. Um, right now, I think it's only Instagram where I found them so far, but maybe check Twitter and um, all those other places to see if you can find them. But right now, uh, so CPA, Canadian uh, Pickleball Association Pro Tour, check them out. Um, and then I'll be covering that as well. So I'll, I'm going to be super busy next year. I'll have the CNPL and I'll have the CPA to 
go over aside from my own stuff. So super excited for that. I think that's it for this one. I'll catch you guys on the next uh, podcast. See ya. That. What a way to end it with an overhead smash, and not just an overhead smash, but a jumping overhead smash by Irene. So Irene and Andrew from East River, Alberta, gold medalists. <laughs>